Welcome back, beloved. What is it, Tuesday? Mrs. W just sent me a text and said, why don't you take a look outside? I looked outside and it's snowing like nobody's business. Good grief. It's crazy weather up in the mountains. I told Mrs. W this last weekend, it was a little, the sun started to come out a little bit and I said, man, I am over, over this cold weather. I know I've turned a corner uh, in my old age where I don't enjoy the winters as much as, as I, I used to. Maybe it was a trip we took down to Palm Springs uh, in that nice sun for five days. Uh, when I came back up here, it was, uh, well, less than thrilling. Now, important announcements. Proho has spoken, uh, and many of you, I got a bunch of emails from you that, uh, from those of, that wanted to participate in the 10-week fitness program. I you asked for it, I have given it to you. I have, have it in the can, it's uploading right now for members. It turned out to be about 38 minutes and it's basically week one. You can follow along with me and the kind of the concepts. It's a good program, it's not gonna cost you anything, you don't have to buy any equipment, no gym membership, you can do everything at home. You can just simply put it on your phone, you can download it if you don't have internet and you can follow along for seven days and I will do, I will do an update every week and we will progress building blocks upon building blocks. So, so that was that, and that will be there for members only. Also, yesterday, just kind of organically happened, many of you started super chatting in Rate My Proho, and we'll be continuing with that as well. Let me know what you have, and I will give you a rating uh, between 1 and 10 uh, to see how you are, where you need to improve, and we can discuss your individual preparations. I asked, I reached out also, also special, I want to uh, ask the group corporately, uh, special prayers to one of our own uh, who is um, having a procedure not with us today, and uh, just prayers to him. Um, so we don't need to out anyone, nobody's business but his, um, but um, he will be missed today. Very much missed today. Okay, goodness, what was I going to talk about? I had something I really wanted to talk about. So I... It, when I start the stream, I, I have a direct link with uh, some of my, um, the brain trust, the middleman, and we have this little discussion, check-in, radio check and that sort of thing. And I ask them, um, is there any topic in the chat that folks are discussing? Something, is there a hot button, uh, art, you know, hot button thing coming up that we could open up with a monologue and maybe discuss a little bit about it? And I, uh, the first thing that came up was a lot of, there's a lot of buzz and there's a lot of talk about martial law. I started hearing about it yesterday. I'm hearing martial law this, martial law that. Checked around a little bit to some of the, you know, the best contacts that I have, uh, and everyone was essentially repeating the same thing. Yeah, we, we were hearing something. There's, there's something going on. So I jumped on over to our friend over at Monkey Works, which does a pretty good weekly briefing, and he was also um, saying the same thing, and he was getting this information. There seems to be a lot of attention or a lot of noise from the federal government uh, regarding our rail system. Um, surveying it, uh, looking at it, a lot of air resources looking at it, drones tasked to look at it, and everyone's trying to speculate, what's this about? Also, I'm, I have been seeing a lot of troop movements from camber flights that are being moved out. We're moving our troops via, via airplanes uh, over to Europe. And also there's a lot of people that have been sending me uh, small videos and pictures of long trains that are 100 plus cars just full of military equipment going who knows where. It's just, it's just a deplorable, 
a deplorable state of affairs. Um, the relationship, the antagonistic and lying relationship between our federal government and the people who are supposed to be represented by this regime. And, you know, there just isn't any truth in them. There isn't any truth in the media. Uh, and it's really difficult. I don't know if it's by design, uh, just so that they always keep you on the back foot. But, you know, I have to assume, and I hate to be this way, but I have to assume that any statistics or news or anything that I receive from any of these outlets, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, the press secretary, I just have to assume that that's just lies. Lies, manipulation, and, and propaganda. Uh, it's just incredible how far we've fallen. And, you know, and I, I hear also, not only are there room, rumors of martial law, but there are also a lot of rumors of, oh, I just, my, my, just lost my train of thought. Draft, the draft. Goodness, can you believe that? You know, I mean, it's incredible. Like, I, I shouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I, I guess growing up from the generation, you know, that, that came out of World War II, you know, my parents were boomers. Boomers never had a threat to our country. They never really had a, a you know, I mean, there was Vietnam, but there was really no th threat to our national sovereignty in any way. Yeah, there were some things going on far away, and it was tragic, and a lot of good men, boys, young boys died on that, but it really did not affect folks at home, uh, really, at all. To, you know, not, not so much, apart from those that were affected immediately by lo loss of, of family members. So I grew up with this, and there's just, just this insulated security, like nothing is ever going to happen. Like the idea, yes, of course, I... I uh, registered for the selective services, just like all my friends did. But there was really never any rumbling or any true threat of um, of a draft. And you know, I just goodness, I think of how much differently I look at the world now. How much I've learned. How just how I just I, I'm shocked of how easily I bought into the patriotism. And if we don't fight them over there, we're going to fight them over here. And just uh, this constant stream of propaganda and the media behind it and you know and, and of course I was right along with it I remember clearly when Gulf War one kicked off when the first airstrikes coming over I was working uh, excavation and listening to the radio and we were listening to kind of the play-by-play -play going over the news and I just remember feeling so proud because we had been sold a bill of goods you know we've been lied to and told that there was this evil dictator and he had weapons of mass destruction and he was threatening the Western world and threatening our own country. And if we don't fight them over there, then we're going to fight them over here. Now, that was a really powerful bit of propaganda. I mean, you could visualize that and it just made sense. There was almost no one that disagreed with that. 30 years, what were 30 years or so we were over there between Iraq 1 and Iraq 2 and Afghanistan. And now we're starting to see clearly that the whole thing was all just lies. Just lies. How many people did we kill, did the U.S. military kill needlessly? And for what? You know, I don't know. I can speculate. I have my own ideas. But I watch a lot of interviews with folks that were over there a lot of guys that were in the military, and they're all coming to the same conclusion, most of them, that they'd been had. 
that the sacrifices that they made were not necessarily for the good of the United States, but for the good of enriching and maintaining our power structure. You know, and just look at the damage that we've done. Just look at how the reputation of America, how it's fallen from, let's say, the 70s and 80s to where we're at right now. And even back, you know, back in those times when that was going on, you, you know, Gulf War One, uh, Gulf War Two, you know, the war on terror, all of that, all the way up in through 9-11, I would have gladly, gladly um, volunteered to go over and to do something. I remember where I was at uh, September 11th. I was working as a firefighter in Colorado. I was a B shifter. We were coming on, we were about to come on shift. We were on shift. We had done shift exchange. It was in the morning. Our chief called the company, said, load up everyone, come down to the main station. We asked him why. He said, just come down, come down immediately. We came down there just in time to see everything that was going on. I watched in the group, you know, with a group of firefighters, you know, guys that were coming off shift, you know, they stayed around. We were all watching this. And I remember that feeling of seeing that and, and wanting, wanting to be, wanting to help with that more than anything. Like all of us were on the phone uh, trying to make calls to New York firefighters, the department, because we didn't know what was going on. You know, it was, everything was just in such chaos. Offering, you know, guys were saying, hey, we'll, we'll load up. If you guys need help, we'll load up in our personal vehicles and we'll be there. You know, we can be there in three days. We'll just drive straight through two days. And, you know, that's the way we felt about it. And that's the way also, you know, I had that really that same sense of, of patriotism and, and uh, wanting to do the right thing and, and buying into the propaganda that I would have gladly, had there been a conscription or a, a draft, I would have gladly went over and fought in those as well, thinking that I was doing the right thing. Contrast that with now, the way that, well, the veil has been lifted, and we can kind of see what's going on, the motivation. And the, the thought, like, and tell me give, me, give me sevens in the chat if you agree with me, but is the thought of your federal government at this point in time uh, making a plea, would you, how, how, willing, how willfully would you accept or hear a plea to send maybe yourself, depending if you're at age, I'm too old now, but my son your son, your daughters, over there to fight in Ukraine. How are, are, are you, uh, give me sevens in the chat if it would be over my dead body. And give me zeros if you think that that would be a good idea, that you would willfully send your sons and daughters over there with this administration um, to fight and die uh, for Ukraine in a Russian ground war. <laughs> I mean, are you serious? Are you serious? I mean, I, I, I cannot be the only one, like, over my dead body, over my dead body, would I lift a finger. I wouldn't even help them to put out a fire, let alone give my firstborn to go over there and to die for those lunatics. <laughs> I have to say that if I'm seeing sevens in the chat that you guys would have to agree with, oh, we have some zeros. We have some zeros. The zeros, I wonder if the zeros are willing to go over there themselves. Uh, I think that that would be very interesting. I would, um, yeah, they think that they're having problems now with recruitment. 
I'd like to I'd like to see them issue a a um, a draft and see how well that works out for them. I was sit in prison before I would I wouldn't lift a finger. I wouldn't go over there. I would not comply, not comply. I would do whatever it have to take to protect me and mine. But that is absolutely not going to happen. That's one of those lines, beloved, that cannot be crossed. We are all done with that. The way you think the way that the the way that they mismanaged the pullout in Afghanistan, have you seen the fleets of equipment, the the millions if not billions of dollars? Did you see the way that our government retreated in in chaos? And do you have a number do you, have you seen the crates of dogs? Of, of war dogs, of dogs that were, um, uh, that, that were raised to work with soldiers. Did you see the crates of them that were left in the, in the warehouses to die of starvation and um, lack of water? That's the type of thing. You don't know the half of it, what you, if you're just what you saw in the news. You know the, the, the number of, of people that were helping the cause over there as interpreters, uh, uh, intelligence. Do you know what their fate was? We left them all behind to kill. I mean, it is, it's, it is one of the greatest disgraces uh, that history will, will write about this. It's one of the greatest disgraces um, that, could, that has ever befell one of our country, uh, our country whatsoever. And uh, no one's really talking about it anymore. It's just kind of swept under the rug. And here they are now, what, a year later? Rumblings that we're going to need to go over there and we're going to need to send our, our sons and daughters to fight and die into this conflict from an, an administration that's, that was unable to, to even bring our own equipment home, didn't even care about that. Do you think that they're going to care about our sons and daughters? Over my dead body. Over my dead body. That's not, not going to happen. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Man, you know, we don't have to. The more I think about this, the more I look at it, this conflict that we have coming up. We don't have to enter into civil war. We don't have to enter into revolution. We just need to stop participating. We just need to stop participating. You know, they cannot gather up everyone. They cannot punish everyone. I, I think those who, are, who, who do, if they do decide to step up and to, and to lead this, you know, they're going to be put down first. They're going to be made an example of. That needs to be understood. You know. But non-compliance, that's the way. Just do not participate. Do not participate. You don't have to be violent. If there's organizations that um, uh, are recruiting you or you have friends that are contacting you, hey, we need to do this, we need to form um, a group, you know, we need to do something, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that we're there yet. I think non-compliance is, is the way. One thing I do want to comment on regarding all of the buzz and the chatter about martial law, I don't have any more information about this than you do. I just, I'm hearing it a lot. When you hear noise about something, sometimes they manifest and sometimes they do not. But one thing I will caution you of is how it, it often operates. A false flag, we all know what a false flag is. A false flag is a government will send saboteurs or provoca provocateurs into an area to blow something up, cause a problem, start a riot, start a fight, and then pin it on someone else so that they can have a, a reaction to this. 
the big concern about like what Monkey, Monkey Works is talking about, he's of the impression that there may be plans or there may be something going on or not, uh, with, with martial law or this might, there might be preparations in some way. Do we know, is there a credible threat? Is there a credible threat? We have an open border. We have uh, all nationalities coming in uh, from Chinese uh, to uh, Middle Eastern. Uh, that's all been, that, that's been documented. We all know about that. We also have all of these um, anomalies going on with uh, train wrecks, and there's still people out there still saying that this is just, uh, this has always happened this way. There's always been fires at uh, major chemical factories. There's always been explosions at um, uh, food producing plants. There's always been uh, train derailments. These things happen all the time. Nothing has changed. It's only now that after Pal the big Palestine fire, that people are watching it and paying more attention to it. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I haven't followed train wrecks forever, but it, from what I gather, this is ramping up. How do you know? Is it our own, someone from within that's doing it? And if they're doing it, why? Or do we have a whole group of saboteurs running around uh, that are doing this that are from uh, another nation? And if so, why isn't our government telling us about it? You know, look, look, at, look at the media, like look at what's going on in France right now. Go on TikTok, it's the only place you'll find it. Search the riots in France. You won't believe, there are millions of people marching and it's been going on for some time. And if you were to watch the media, they would tell you what? They would tell you that they're doing it because they don't want to raise their age of retirement two years. Now I know the French are insufferable, but I don't even think that they would make such a stink about something like that. I mean, I could be wrong. They are lazy, <laughs> or they've been accused of being lazy. Rumor has it that they're lazy. Um, I, I used to think that. I don't think that they're lazy anymore. I think that they realize they have perspective. They have perspective that life is more than just working yourself to the bone, like the American way, where by working all the time, you get a pass on being a bad father, uh, an absent father, an absent husband, an absent friend, because there's nobility in America for a man who works 80, 90, 100 hours a day. That is your get out of free jail card. Oh, you can't make it to church? Well, I had to work, I had to pay for the, you know, I had to keep shoes on the, on the babies, I had to pay for this mortgage. Oh, you had to work over the ball game? Well, you know, that's, I, I'm out there providing for the family. Of course, you know, you just seem to get a pass. And that's just, I don't know that that's the best way to go about it. I, like you, grew up thinking those lazy, those lazy Europeans and, and, you know, they're, what do they get, three, two, three months of vacation a year? You know, they're hardly ever working and they take hour and a half lunches. You know, in hindsight right now, you know, they are the ones that are doing it right. We're the ones that are just the working class slaves being worked to the bone and then as soon as we're not able to produce anymore, we're discarded. So there's something to be learned from that. But the French, are they, is that what, what it's really about or is there more to it? Why is it, one might ask, why is it that one of their targets was they took over the headquarters for BlackRock? Is BlackRock doing the same sinister dealings or the, buying up all the commercial pro or the private property uh, and manipulating markets and, and doing all manner of evilness, <laughs> allegedly? Uh, do they see it? Is that why that was a target for them? You know, who knows? It's hard to get information, hard to get the truth. My concern with these rumblings of martial law, and again, I don't have any more reason to, to any more facts about it than what you guys are talking about. Um, 
what I would look for if I were you is I'd be very careful and watch. Watch what's going on and, and do not react. If something happens in your own town or your own city, you're going to want to intervene. I understand that. Proho is a sheepdog and he likes to get out there and he likes to help. You know, he wants to be a rap. It could be a false flag incident. We saw that with J6. We saw J6. We saw actual state you know, cops, FBI, Secret Service, whatever they were, government provocateurs working up the crowd, getting the crowd excited. We need to go in there, you know, giving them, you know, getting them all fired up. There, were, there was actually, there's even videos you can go look and see where guys with earpieces are breaking out windows. This is not, this is, this, this is not conspiracy theorist, theory stuff. This is actually happening, and it's not just there. You've seen the pallets of bricks left just randomly on the side of these streets on the eve of a, an important court hearing, right? We've seen all these things before. These things happen. So is that a false flag? They've, they've done it in the past. They will do it in the future. So my concern for you guys and why you, you want to be careful, use your head, don't rush into anything, is believe nothing of what you hear and half of what you see. Even though what you see, maybe you may think that this is the case, what's going on, wait, let it, just let it simmer and be sure you don't get yourself involved in something that's going to get you into trouble. Because how a false flag works and how this could potentially work, there could be a group of people that can be dressed up like whoever, um, and they can go attack uh, an oil refinery, or they can attack a major... Um, uh, junction for fiber optics or whatever critical infrastructure and if this was coordinated over two three four five different cities and it all took place at once there would be cries for shut it down man shut it down um, peace and safety the majority of Americans would want, would welcome martial law yeah give us curfews give us uh, don't let anyone go out at night um, and then here come the feds to, to save the day, which potentially could have been something that they, you know, could have created themselves. Or it could be they know something that we don't know. Maybe there's been groups of folks that have gotten in through the northern border, through the southern border. Maybe this is portion. Maybe we're under attack right now. You know, who is responsible for all these derailings? Who is responsible for all these fires? You know, we can't. How do we get that information? We can't trust anyone. We certainly can't trust our government. Almost, you almost take the opposite stance of whatever they're doing, and that's probably closer to the, to the truth than anything else. So remember, beloved, we're not about violence here. Our, our fight is a spiritual fight, but we will defend ours and, and take care of ours um, in our communities. So just be vigilant. Have everything ready. Make sure you follow the preps. Make sure you've got some food. And if you can get couple weeks of food, better to have three months, three months of food, have a, a plan for water, maybe go on Craigslist, buy yourself a couple of food grade 55 gallon drums, you can buy those pretty cheap now, you can buy 275 gallon totes, pretty cheap now, but if, in, if something like this kicks off, those will not be available. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to put one of those in the basement and have a couple hundred gallons extra of water. Get yourself a good filter, you know, a Berkey gravity type filter, have your gear sorted out, you know, go through when you go home tonight, make sure you have everything squared away. You've got gasoline in the cars, you've got a little bit of extra gas, get your radios, get your Bofang radios, 
get those immediately if you don't have them and get them programmed uh, to your local uh, dispatch so you can listen to. If you don't have the radios, you can go online with your computer, find out who your local fire department is, just search around a little bit. I'm not your Google, you know, you can Google it yourself, but all of those, it's mandated that all of those frequencies that emergency services broadcast on, that those are public record and available to the pub public. Now in the past, if you had a Bofang radio and you had the frequency, you could just listen in on those automatically anywhere. All you had to do was program in that frequency. Now, a lot of law enforcement and emergency services, because they don't like transparency, why do cops not like transparency? Well, you should ask them. Why, if they are protecting and serving, then they should want transparency more than anything. They should want everything to be out in the open so that no one is falsely accusing them of brutality. But yet we don't see that, do we? They want to be secret. They want to be like the military. So now they're encrypting their radios. Now, you can still access them. They are not allowed to have secret communications shy of, you know, maybe some tactical SWAT teams or something like that. And that's probably open for debate if someone wanted to press it in court. But th those frequencies will be made available online and you can listen to them online. Problem is, is that if that could be shut down, that internet could be shut down where the radios can be more difficult. So do what you have to do. But I would, uh, I, I don't be worried. You know, this, this is not the call to arms or anything. It's just, you know, just in case something happens, just have those basic, basic preps. Make sure you've got the gas, got your water, have a plan, talk to your family, get with your neighbors. And if you have anyone like-minded, just touch base, have them over for a beer and say, hey, are you squared away? Uh, let's have a basic plan. You know, if something happened, uh, what are you guys going to do? Uh, it would be there's, there's safety in numbers. So not to frighten anyone. I'm not frightened, um, but I am prepared. Just keep an eye, an ear to the ground and, uh, and take care, take care of your family and your loved ones. All right. I'm going to get into the super chats right here. We've got some folks waiting. And if you're just joining us one last time, members, I have recorded and I'm uploading right now as we speak week one of the, our fitness challenge uh, that you'll be doing it along with me. I went back to the beginning and sat down. It's about 36, 37 minutes long and you can go through the whole process with me. So that I'll do one of those a week and we'll do it for 10 weeks. And there's a whole bunch, about 100 dudes or so uh, that have committed to follow along. So it's set up for anyone at any level. You'll do what you can. This is not about competition. This is about just a building blocks back to getting your health back in order. You want to be able to be capable uh, in these coming times. You don't want to be a liability to your family. You want to be able to be a leader and you're going to need to be strong. You're going to have to need your fitness. That's one of the most important things to have so that you can run and move and, and do what needs to be done and you're not uh, becoming a liability. And, and I get it, you know, I, it's hard to do when you get older. We, m many of us have gotten very comfortable, but we don't have that luxury anymore. Proho needs to have a basic level of fitness. We're not triathletes here, we're just normal dudes, but there's no reason why we shouldn't be reasonably fit. Um, we can do it. So I'm doing it and I invite you to follow along. So if you'd like to be part of that, sign up for a membership and you will get access to those videos and uh, we will uh, get fit together. Yeah, 10 week, 10 week program. We have a super chat from Brandon Aga. No, excuse me, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon, 
gave me a super chat from Anthony. Anthony Arroya, a new member. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you. Our newest member, and you will have access to that, and I hope to see you over there as well. It will include a cold shower, so that's, that's key, cornerstone of the whole thing. We have Mr. Evan Roach. He's been a member with us for two months. He has a comment here. After being in Afghanistan for 13 months, I'd take my family to the woods for the rest of our lives before sending my son to Ukraine. No hesitation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Brand, yeah, absolutely uh, what Evan said. And he knows, you know, there's Proho right there that's telling you he saw it firsthand. He saw the mismanagement. He saw the grifting. You know, when I was watching um, Vigilance Elite, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, um, Sean Ryan, he's a former ex-Navy SEAL. He contracted, I think, a little bit, or maybe he worked with the CIA. So, he, you know, he's got some really good knowledge about what was going on. And he interviews some very interesting people, guys that were in, um, you know, Green Berets and Army Rangers and... Um, Marine Raiders and uh, Delta Force guys and Navy SEALs that have had a lot of combat experience and a lot of them are really high up in intelligence and have a good perspective of what took place. And now, you know, they're coming together and, and Sean has provided through Vigilance Elite, he's provided a really great platform for these men to tell these stories that might not, that we may never hear. These really heroic stories of men doing extraordinary things. Yes, they're teammates and friends knew about it, but there was really no avenue for that to get out to us. And this is important. This is history. You know, when we take, when we have courageous acts that have been done by our best and brightest, you know, I think that that should be heralded. I think that that should be remembered and we should tell those stories to our children uh, just as a reminder of, of what incredible men this country can produce. I want to be very clear on this. There's a very big difference about men and women that went over there, followed orders according to what they were told. They were only given the information of what they were doing was right. They were doing something for the greater good. They were doing something for America. And I believe those guys, that's, that's what they understood. And, I, and had they, I mean, there's some that would have, there's, there's, there's evil men in every organization, but for the most part, these dudes, had they known what they were doing was, was for naught and frivolous and it was just to enrich people and to exercise the will of foreign countries that have maybe too much power in our own government, um, now they're starting to see it clearly and they're having to deal with that. And then the number of, I mean, what if you killed in combat as, you know, let's say you were a sniper, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50. You know, now you're dealing with that. What you did was, was, was not really about what they told you. That would be a difficult thing to deal with. That would build, I would, I, I would be very resentful and angry towards the, the men and the command that put me in that position that manipulated me, that manipulated my patriotism, that lied to me and, and, and risked, just threw my life into this with no care whatsoever. Um, for profiteering or for political advancement. It's deplorable. So let's make a very strong distinction between when I say, you know, it's starting to look like we should not have been over there at all, Gulf War One, Gulf War Two, Iraq, that all of it has been just a big scam. Let's not lay that on the, that blame at the feet of the, those who went over there with the best of intentions you know, that, that were the best and the brightest, you know, the best that this, the, some of the best men that this country has to offer 
go into these fields. You know, they go into, they, they go into the military. Not everyone, but I would be very upset about that. And right there, you know, I, I think reading between the lines, just what our friend Evan said right here, he was over there for 13 months. And, and that, obviously, he answered the call. He is, a, he is an American through and through. He's a patriot. He volunteered to go over there and to put his life at risk to do what he thought was probably good. And now he was over there and he saw it. And what is his stance? He says, after being in Afghanistan for 13 months, I take my family to the woods for the rest of our lives before sending my son to Ukraine. No hesitation. Yeah, and you're not alone with that, Evan. You're not alone. Mrs. W and I had the very same conversation. You know, this started about six months ago. I started feeling that something like this could happen. And I told, sat, sat her down, and I said, you know, we need to come up with a plan. How far are we willing to go? How far are we willing to go to protect our children from uh, being plucked away from us uh, to go fight in some senseless war? Uh, and we made the decision of what we would do and how far we'd be willing to go. And you're, you may have to do that as well. And they'll, they will not hesitate of sending your daughters. So don't think that your daughters are going to be safe either. You know, that is happening. That's going to happen right now. In, in the same mouth, in the, in the same, sent, you know, same paragraph, we're talking about conscription for both sides. You know, that's going to happen. That has not happened in the past, but I believe within the next probably three, four, five years that that will change and that conscription for our daughters um, that will go into effect as well, that they will also have to register with Selective Service. I mean, it's unimaginable, isn't it? Unimaginable. And, and when you try to s explain what's going on to, you know, like our boomer parents and, and such, you know, they just, they've never been under this threat before. They're like, they just can't even believe it. They think that it's conspiracy theory. They think that we're crazy. Um, but they've just lived, they just their understanding, their paradigm, they've always been safety. They've always been in a world where America was number one, and we are, we, we are, we are leaving that world. As we, we talked about, just was it last week? If we, are go, if we continue going down the path that we're going down right now, we're, ten, we're inside of 10 years before America becomes a second-class superpower. China will has the capability of exceeding us. China is operating in its own best interests, and our government is operating in their best interests as well, and not in the interests of the American people. You know, it's, it's just deplorable what's taking place. If they think that we're going to jump in and they're going to ring the bell of patriotism again like they have so many past, that well is ran dry. That well is ran dry some time ago, and that's over. The type of people that will answer that call are not the type of people that are going to make good soldiers, by and large. We have a super chat, a member message from Captain Redbeard, the angler. He's been a member with us for two months. Shout out to you, Captain. It's good to see you here. He says, would you sell a fully equipped fishing expedition raft in order to be more proho? I have aspirations to get back into guided, guiding fishermen. Goodness, man. When I'm, you're asking me to touch upon... Um, things that give you the fizz on toys and gear, uh, selling that. If I understand right, you're saying you are maybe behind on your preps or, or there's some things that you don't have that you'd like to have, um, but you do have this. That's a tough one. If the fishing boat, the guy, if, you're, if you're a good guide and you can make a good living at that, that gives you an option. I don't know if you're doing it now. Let's say you have a normal job, a J-O-B. 
and that is a fallback or a dream position. You know, I, not I wouldn't necessarily sell it. You know, j just like me, I've got a couple pieces of equipment, and yes, there are some things that I could really use around the house that I don't have. It might be nice to have a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, maybe an off, you know, a, a, a EMP-proof rig and all of that. However, even though I'm not using it, I'm not necessarily going to give it away because it gives me so many options. What would a boat? What else can a boat do? Could you make an income with that? Is there going to be, if the country is really under duress and, and there is martial law, there is a lot of um, upheavals and such, is there even going to be a clientele for something like that? Or is that going to be considered frivolous and there are not people that are going to have time or resources to go guided fishing? You know, that I don't know. You're going to have to kind of feel that out. Also, does the boat provide anything that you could use tactically? You know, does it give you the option if a bridge was taken out and you needed to get from point A to point B to rescue family members or get supplies, would that give you an option that other people wouldn't have? You know, you need to consider that as well. But if those, both of those are a no and you realize, yeah, guided fishing is not going to be a big hit uh, in the apocalypse uh, and I don't really have a need of the boat, uh, but I yet to have... Uh, proper ammunition, I don't have any body armor, I don't have um, extra gas cans, I don't have a, a, maybe a little dirt bike I can get around on, then I would might, I might consider that. I might consider that. You know, with summer coming up, it's a good time to sell something like that. You know, you'll have to, you'll have to see, you know, but really cover the bases first. Do you have a way, uh, do you have a way of, of heating your home? We're coming into spring, so that's not going to be super critical right now. Probably no one in this country is going to die of exposure. You might have some cold nights. It's nothing that can't be cured and fixed with some blankets, right? So that you have a little bit of reprieve if you're on the back foot with this. So next, what's after that? Food. Food. I would get on, I would go over, you can go over, we have a site. I think it's um, preparewithwranglerstar.com. Maybe one of the middlemen can throw up a link there. Um, you can save a few bucks on that, get some free stuff, but you can go to preparewithwranglerstar.com and you can get a 60-day supply, a 30-day supply, two-week supply, three-month supply, whatever you want of good, high-quality, freeze-dried food that will last for about 25 years. Now, is it the best food? It is not, but it's going to be enough. You know, a lot of protein in that. And if you can supplement it with some other things that you can get from the grocery store, that gives you a good peace of mind. But I would have, as a rule of thumb, beloved, a three-month supply. And that's for every member of your family. So go use the calorie calculator. Go, go in, I'm not your Google man. Go on Google and look it up. And it's like, what does, how many calories does a, fa a person burn, an adult or a family of four? Whatever it is, plug it in, figure the calories that you're going to require, and then act accordingly. You know? If nothing else, just start with that two-week supply. Get a, get a five-gallon food bucket, uh, prepare with wranglerstar.com. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. And go over there and, and do that and have that. So shelter, you got a house to put, you know, whatever you got. But the food is important. And then water. How are you going to deal with your water? You know, you've got, make sure you have, you think about this. You're watching what's going on. If, thing, if there's rumbling of bad things happening and problems happen, explosion or a terrorist attack, something like that, have a plan. What is my plan to, to collect and gather as much water in my home or apartment as possible? How can I do that? Well, you've got a couple options. Do you have a bathtub? 
Do you have a shower? Do you have any receptacles? Do you have any five-gallon buckets? Do you have a piece of plastic? You know, lay that plastic in the tub. Have these things done ahead of time. Try it out. Fill it up. Turn it on immediately. You know, you'll put, you'll put 60, 70 gallons in a tub, maybe even 100 of some of the larger ones. And that'll last you a long time. You can dip out of that. On the back of your toilet, that's, that's clean drinking water. It's, it's, it goes into the tanks. If you lift the tank off the back, you know, that will give you anywhere from, you know, two to six gallons, depending on how old it is. There's water in there you could drink. Don't forget your hot water heater. Most hot water heaters are 40, 50 gallons, and there's a spigot on the bottom. You can harvest hot water. You can harvest water from that as well. You know, remember the little, the Ciclock keys that I shared with you on the short. You know, if you have, if you live in an urban area, those little water fountains you see outside that have the little square deal, you know, no one could ever turn them on. You're not going to get those turned on with a Leatherman unless someone's left it loose. They're pretty hard to deal with. Have a Ciclock key. Have a Ciclock key. Nine bucks on Amazon. And you can go there and you can ask, access that. If it's a multi-story building, the head pressure, you know, the water is going to be up in the plumbing. That'll come out there, there for days. There's a ton of reserve in there that you can get. So be thinking about that. Do you have a municipal supply nearby? Do you have a river? Do you have a creek? Do you have a pond? And if you do, how are you going to filter it? Do you have a Berkey filter? Do you have filtered tablets? You know, do you have the ability to boil it? How are you going to cook? Are you cooking with electricity? What happens if the electricity off is off? You're going to be able to heat water? You know, these basic things, you know, really just start isolating them and laying them out. If this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I'm going to do that. Radios, batteries. Do you have a solar panel? Do you have a way of recharging your cell phone? You see what I'm saying? Proho has all these things. Do you have your car full of gas and another tank ready to go in external cans for each vehicle that you own? You know, that sort, that sort of thing. Remember... Remember what happened in, in Germany when the Russians were coming down and invading, coming in, marching in, in towards Berlin? We know the atrocities, or those of us who are students of history, know the atrocities that were, that were perpetrated on the German people, primarily the, the women, when the Russians came down. What the people did when they were under serious threat is they started to evacuate. They started to leave their homes with what they could carry. They piled everything in their cars and they took to the interstate. They actually had an interstate system. They had the Autobahn system at the time. That was done so that the country could move military equipment, troops, supplies as quickly as possible across the country to, to deal with it. It was quite clever. When Eisenhower was over there, he saw that. He brought back that knowledge and he implemented our inter interstate system. That's where that came from. So what happened was that the people got in their cars you know, this is 1945. They heard, there had been gas and equipment rationing for some time now. Many of them maybe didn't have extra gas. They took to the interstate to, to a flee the Russian horde. And what happened? Well, cars started immediately running out of gas, breaking down. It clogged all of the autobahns to the point where even if you had extra gas, uh, you were not able to go anywhere or do anything because there was no way to get around all of the, the log jam. So people took to foot. They took the foot, and what happened when they took the foot? Now they made it about four or five miles each side of the autobahns, and they stripped everything bare. If you were living in a house near that, and you had apple trees, you had livestock, you had a food in the larder, 
it was stripped like the locust coming through. Everything was stripped. And any more than about five miles, four, five, six miles, it was further than anyone could get. So that's why when we're looking at properties, we think about that. If these major metropolitan areas decide to evacuate, people typically by nature want to go to higher ground. They want to go to the woods. They want to go to the mountains. It just, there's something romantic about it. They know there's cover there. They've watched so many survival YouTube videos. They think that they can go up there without any practice and survive, uh, but they can't. You know, so be careful when you're choosing locations. You know, you can be, have everything just perfect and fine, but if you're on the, uh, on the evacuation point of a major metropolitan area, you know, you'll be overwhelmed. There's nothing you can do. So you want to be away from these sites. So having, with the preps, like we talked yesterday, having uh, a, these dirt bikes, these, these all-terrain vehicles, motorcycles, particular, is going to give you, you, like, if you were in that situation where you had a vehicle and you had gas and you had all of your possessions that you needed and your family on board, can you imagine being stuck in a situation where you couldn't get up, you couldn't get off the freeway, you couldn't enter, you couldn't do anything, and you, you have to take the foot with what you can carry. Can you imagine how valuable having a motorcycle that could split lanes, a dirt bike with off-road tires that can, that can not be subject to that, that can cross streams? You know, I'm just, you can think about it and see the potential. So, just some, some things to think about. Um, Captain Redbeard, I, I, I understand the toys, man. That's a hard one to give up in a dream. But you can always get another boat. You know, you can always do that up again. Um, but if you're really lacking with things, like you don't have a carbine, you don't have 500 rounds of ammunition, at least. You don't have body armor. You know, some of these basic things. I would um, I'd take a look at that. Yeah. And just make the best judgment you can. We have a super chat from Mr. Gamer Dave. Good to see you here, Gamer. Welcome. Good to see you. Hey, Cody, I hope all is good. I found today a vape juice is 60% polyene glycol. All polys are polymers developed for plastic, i.e. synthetics. It's in everything, including food, glycol, also in G, and PT plastic, also antifreeze. Yeah, I, I've been looking into this a little bit myself. I've had, I've had some concerns about this. Um, that's been known, you know, water bottles and cooking utensils by a lot of people. You know, we made the shift recently, or it's been some time, it's been quite some years ago, of getting away from anything that has uh, Teflon coatings on it for cookware. Do not cook with that, beloved. Do not cook with anything that's an aluminum pan, any of those, uh, those light metals like that. If your food is going to be in something, even tin foil, like I know we all cover food with tin foil, you know, leftovers. You know, it sits in there and, and that, all that stuff, that aluminum and everything, that leaches into your food. And we have, when we have so many uh, more uh, cases of Alzheimer's disease and, and autism and all these things, and I'm not a doctor, I don't know where all this stuff comes from, if it's man-made, if it's environmental, but there's something happening because it, this was never the case growing up when we were kids. We never had any of this. So something in our environment or in our med medication or in our diet is causing these problems. So we have to be proactive. You cannot believe or trust anything you're hearing from the EPA um, or any government agencies. They're almost the opposite is what you want to believe, but just use common sense. You know, drink out of stainless steel if you can. Don't put your leftovers in, in cheap dollar store plastic 
Tupperware ripoffs, know what, you know, just think about these things. Everything is leaching into food. And, you know, one thing that's really insidious is growing up, all construction, all homes had copper pipes. You had copper all the way from the main into the house, and now everything is plastic. You know, that same, it's basically that same chemical that was burnt up and spilled in the Palestine train wreck is one of the key components that I understand in going into PVC pipe. And that stuff is just good. I don't know what the half-life of that stuff is, but it must be a billion years. I mean, it just does not break down. It's one of the most tough, resilient materials known to man. And that is, uh, that's what your drinking water is sitting in. So does it stand to reason that these chemicals may be getting into the water. Let's say, you know, because if, if your house is sitting overnight and no one's running a faucet for 8, 10, 12 hours, that water is sitting stagnant in the PVC, it's sitting stagnant in the PEX pipe because houses no longer use copper. You know, what's getting into that water? And there's even, if you want to go further and, and really go down the rabbit hole, there's even questions of how important is it, uh, of the question between live and dead water. You know, dead water being something that is uh, like you get in a bottle of water that doesn't have any electrical charge to it. Do we need electrical charges? Do we need to stay grounded? Are we not, um, do we not operate that way? Is not everything around us conductive and grounded and positive and negative? Why would we think that we're exempt from that just because we don't understand anything or don't understand clearly? You know, it's laughable. I People think that I'm insane because I'm trying to, I take my shoes off, that I'm, I'm looking into this, trying to find out, you know, is there any truth to this? Is it important how our water, how, the water that we drink, is all water equal? You know, I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but uh, goodness, we have to be, God is revealing new things, new understandings. So we have to be able to receive these and, and, to, and make changes. If we've been doing something wrong that's hurting us, it's hurting our children. We need to make those changes, beloved. But yeah, I mean, it, it's all very concerning, certainly. But that's a good point, Gamer Dave. Gamer Dave also writes, my point is don't vape and watch what you eat. Microplastics, they say, they're putting polymers in all of our food and drink additives and, and preservatives. This is happening 100%. I have seen multiple videos on three different food items that are fake. Um, some of the rice that is being shipped from China is showing up with rice, the rice kernels. Are, um, some of them are just plastic. Just, they're just plastic. And people are, are discovering this right now. You can go watch uh, TikTok videos on it where they're, they're taking it out and separating it and finding out they're actually putting plastic, plastic pellets that look like rice grains in there to make things go further. And they're also doing it, people are buying eggs, synthetic eggs, that are like rubber. Go look up synthetic eggs online. You'll see that of cooks, chefs, uh, homeowners that are dissecting these and showing this. Fake chicken, fake food, and not clearly labeled. Like It's not like, well, I'm, I'm intentionally buying this alternative. No, you think you're buying eggs and you're getting some sort of a fake synthetic thing. And what Gamer Dave is talking about is that this is very important. This is why you need to get those raised garden boxes. You need to start growing as much of your own food as possible. You know, we have a very short growing season. Mrs. W is primed, ready to go. She's got all the starts in the greenhouse, you know, and I will be sharing that with you. I'm not the gardener. You know, she's the master food preserver. Has all, you know, she's really good at that, but we'll be sharing that as well. So be thinking about that. You know, do you have the lumber for raised garden boxes? 
Do you have, if you live in an area that has deer, have you made provisions to get some fencing? You know, if there becomes a food problem, beloved, if food, which already is happening, look at your grocery stores, look around what's going on. Choices are limited. We are getting, I'm getting pictures from Proho sending complete uh, produce, the, like aisles that are blank. There's nothing left. They're just a couple radishes. These things are happening. This is reality. And if you wait too long, maybe you don't have the garden in, maybe, but, but you want to make provisions. Do you have some two-by-sixes to build the boxes? Do you have some garden hoses to get some irrigation going? Do you have uh, fencing? If you live in an area where predators are going to come in, and you don't even have, not even just deer. You know, it's been deer and elk that we've had to protect from for forever. But in the future, it could be you might have to protect from people that are hungry, people that come in at night and steal food. Or do you have the fencing? Do you think you'll be able to buy fencing once people are scared? You know, remember the toilet paper. So be thinking about, don't get overwhelmed with the amount of things that you're lacking, the things that you don't have. Just focus on what you can do. I can get some extra gas. I can get some freeze-dried food. I can do what you can do and then build it from there. Trust God to fill in the gaps as well. But very good, Gamer Dave, that's a very good talking point. And yeah, and the vapes, of course, you shouldn't, don't, don't be vaping, beloved, goodness. We have a super chat from Austin Fitterer. Welcome, Austin. Austin writes, Cody, my wife is having a healthy baby boy on September 4th. Shout out to you. Welcome. Welcome news. Or congratulations. We carry our genetic condition that gives our offspring a quarter chance of being born with cystic fibrosis cystic fibrosis we found out the baby boy is healthy well that is a blessing goodness that's a yeah that's a terrible thing you know we we have didn't face that this personally but we have um, close friends that have went just went through this decision that they had um, they had a genetic condition uh, that ran in the family and there was a similar chance um, for, for the for the child that this, that the child to be afflicted with this and it, it was something that was very terrible you know something that would not like was most likely not survivable such a deformity and they they were faced with a very difficult decision on, on to see it through or or to end it you know and I don't um, you know that's not my decision and I would never judge anyone I you know I I would if I had to deal with that situation I hope I would make the best decision. Um, but I, I can relate to that. What a goodness, what a relief that must be. We have, uh, hey, um, congratulations, Austin. Man, that's good news. I, I didn't know where you were going with that. I was starting to get nervous, but I'm glad it turned out okay. We have a super chat from Mr. Thomas W. Hertzler. Shout out to you, Thomas. Welcome. Thomas writes, uh, I was a 68W medic in the VA Army National Guard, got out after contract ended in 2020. Soon after getting off, three months of COVID testing orders, pre-jab, no hazard pay. They are more talk than walk. Yeah, there you go. There's another one. Thomas, right there, right from the horse's mouth, I think is falling in, in the same camp here. Um, that uh, would not be too quick to go and volunteer to go die um, for, um, for our enemies. Mr. Kevin Moore, we have a super chat. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for your generosity. And Jamie, good to see you, Jamie, back. Jamie's been with us for two months now. Jamie writes, rate my proho. 
Oh, this is the first rate my proho of the day. So if you're wondering what that means, I have an arbitrary list of what qualifies, what does, and what doesn't qualify for uh, a proho, which means short for professional homeowner. I coined the term professional homeowner some years ago, and therefore I sit on the top of the, hype, the pile and I, uh, I, I give my edicts down. <laughs> so what are my categories? Well, uh, as I say, it's just like pornography. You know it when you see it. So I will rate your proho. So if you want me to rate your proho, give me your elevator pitch, give me your number one preps, list them very succinctly, and I will give you an arbitrary rating that means absolutely nothing. Jamie wants his proho rated. Here we go. He's a software developer, good skill, with a firewood side gig, three acres in the Midwest. I'm going to give him five points, total of six points out of ten right there. A side gig. Software engineer, he's on the cutting edge, he's got a good living going, doing that and do that. Do whatever you can do to stack up the most cash to get yourself in the best position, get yourself out of debt, get those preparations covered that we talk about. He's doing that, but also he's not a one-trick pony. He's got an extra thing on the side that no one can take away from him. Someone could come and say, oh, this job is gone. You're, you're no longer a software developer. You know, we're, over, we're, we're sending this overseas or closing it down, whatever. You have no control over that. But your firewood business, you have all the control over that. And that can be, and for a lot of guys, is a cash business. So you should always pay your taxes, of course. <coughs> but it does give you some flexibility, correct? Software developer, side gig, three acres in the Midwest, good location. That's where Tradcon lives. Engaged, still, still 261. He's got a professional grade saw, a G19, saving for a trailer, garage full of tools. Now, this is looking good for, for you, Jamie, I have to say. The firewood, I'll tell you, the firewood gig on the side and the fact that you're saving up for a trailer, I'm imagining like a dump or a box trailer, is putting you very high uh, on the list. And engage, are you engaged to, to, um, to Tradcon? I'm going to assume that since you're in the Midwest. I'm going to give Jamie an 8.5. 8.5. Shout out to Jamie. Goodness, that's a, good, that's a good report. I'm glad to hear that. Good to see you. Thank you for your generosity, brother. And let us know that trailer. Get a 14-footer. 14 14-foot's 14 the best size for box trailer. We have a super chat from Claymore777. Respect. Well, respect right back at you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity, Mr. Claymore. Goodness. And we have a mega super chat. There needs to be some sort of a celebration here. We need to have an audible, a horn. Could I just squeeze the cat until she growls at me? Mama, don't bite me. She bit me one time when I woke her up. I'm going to have to come up with something, something to commemorate this. Mr. Dave Hale, $100 Super Chat. My goodness. Dave's been with us for a year now, too. Goodness. Thank you, brother. Mr. Dave wrote, we bought the second home on Grand Cayman for just this cause. Yeah, we talked about this, did we not? I'm gonna give, I, I'm gonna give a little bit of a, we'll go out on a, a limb here, but Mr. Dave, I'm gonna give him a Proho rating of 8.5 as well, because he is planning ahead, uh, off-site, 
Yeah, it's, unthink it's unthinkable as Americans that we may enter into a world where we have to live in a different country or it's not safe. Well, why? You know, why would you say that? We talked about this in detail, was it last week? If you have the option, if you have any strings that you can pull, that you can get dual citizenship, whatever that may be, you know, we have some things going on that we're working on right now to give yourself options um, if and when that came. Why? Well, if China becomes a number one superpower, who's the number one enemy? The number two superpower. Who's not really the enemy? Well, the weaker states, South America, Western Europe, they're not really going to be a threat to either one, and the focus is not going to be on them. The focus is going to be on Americans and making them toe the line. Maybe even make them pay for their past sins. And goodness, do we not have sins that we've racked up over continuous war since 1945? I mean, let's not delude ourselves. So having an option to be out of the country in an emergency, you know, this is, this is long-term forecasting here. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying pack up and leave right now. I'm just saying that think about it. Think about what are you going to do in that situation and can you manipulate your life, manipulate events or, or, or take advantage of situations where you can get yourself and have passports, everything ready, where if need be, you could move to a safe, get your family to a safer location. Those are us who are 50. You know, probably if I was, you know, if I didn't have children, would I be making these plans? Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably stay here. But if we've got kids, you know, I've got a five-year-old. I've got an 18-year-old. Jack will be 30 when this transition could take place. And my daughter, you know, just coming up into teens, you know. How about we get them in a position? Well, why don't we want to make sure that they, they're the ones that are going to have to deal with all of this. They're the ones that are going to have to deal with the fallout. And so those of us who are priests of our household, that are, that are loving husbands and fathers, it's our duty to set them up the best we can. So, you know, whatever that may be, I don't know your situation, but move heaven and earth uh, to make that happen if you have it within your means. We have a new member, K.M. Gittins. Welcome, K.M., Welcome. Hope to see you joining us for our 10-month fitness program. You're certainly invited. And Claymore 777 is back. The future is going to be very interesting. It is going to be very interesting. And, you know, I think we need to look at it that way. You know, I, like you, come in and out of, you know, I keep hitting these crossroads and where I have to make decisions. I can either make decisions, I can either lament for the bygone days and how everything is in decline, it's going to get worse and worse and just be miserable about it and, and every day be reminded of how things are worse and options are worse. I don't think, I don't think, I don't want to look at it that way. This is a very exciting time to be alive. Not only do we have the potential to be in the army of God at the second coming, it's quite an honor, and to participate in that. We're participating in this by getting folks ready pointing to this coming Savior, get your affairs in order, get right with your God, and trust Him. And don't be fearful. This is an exciting thing, time. Times are changing. Jobs that may existed forever may just evaporate. You know, just like AI, for example, has overnight a single-handedly, I'm told, destroyed just one example, the audiobook industry. 
those who read audiobooks and edit and such, all that I guess is just completely gone. That AI can now mimic, copy voices, can do all, can do everything so effortlessly, so much quicker, to just put these people out of a job. And you're going to hear more and more about people that have been secure in good income, six-figure income jobs they thought were was absolutely secure. This is happening in real estate as well. We just shared a story what, two weeks ago about one of our fellow Proho that went from mid-six figures down to barely $40,000 a month. His job is gone and not coming back. It's all being done differently now, just evaporated. Things that you could count on forever. That's why you need to be very flexible and, and you need to be adaptive. So I like the idea when I hear of guys with the side business, the firewood business, my choice would, you know, a couple pieces of equipment. I could go out and, and be excavating uh, a sawmill, uh, uh, maybe even a fishing guide or raft. You know, I don't know. It's, you'll have to decide, but think about the decisions that you make. How can these, how is it going to give me the maximum amount of options? Even in buying tools and buying a vehicle, if you're deciding on a vehicle, whether it's a, a sedan or an SUV over a pickup, well, maybe the pickup's the option, even if you're not a contractor, because that will give you the ability to, to, to do work with. Haul equipment, haul water, haul food. You know, look at these things as utilities. Rather than setting up and, and like building the Lazenel line uh, to defend yourself and, and your home, you know, if you're overran, it might be better for you to have figured out to be light and mobile so that my shop is set up in a way where I just went completely cordless, now I can take things with me. Or if I need to relocate to a new location, I'm not, I'm not leaving infrastructure and investments in hard-mounted air compressors, you know, when I could have a portable or more flexible option. Solar array. Do you put a solar array in the ground or do you have portable panels that you could set up in a remote location? You know, that's the type of thinking that you want to you wanna be doing with purchases and decisions, you know, going, going forward. We have a super chat from Chase Cormick, and he's been a member with us for two months. Welcome, Chase. Good to have you back. Chase writes, fellow Washingtonian, never ridden before. What bike do you recommend for Proho? Preferably something freeway friendly, but can be used for other. I would say if you're new to this, if you are a first time motorcycle buyer, I would look at uh, the Honda 250L. It's enduroed, meaning it's street legal right from Honda. 250, full-size bike, a good starter bike, a lot of accessories for it, nothing exotic, long service times, and an excellent machine. I think that the 250 may be superseded now by the 300, which is the same bike. But any one of those bikes, uh, just get kind of your starter bikes, small bikes, 250s, good on gas, not too heavy. Uh, you can throw some bags on them, lots of accessories, but I would look at the Honda 250, 350, four-stroke, enduroed. I'd look at the, um, some of the, uh, the Kawasaki's. Um, I, I don't know all their models. I'm not super familiar with them, but they have kind of an entry level. They always have a competitive... Kawasaki and Honda have, always have competitive bikes with each other, um, so they'll, something that's equivalent. Kawasaki typically a little bit cheaper. Honda's always a little bit more, but... Both of them are excellent bikes. I have I own one of each, uh, and both of them are wonderful bikes. I, even the Kawasaki, I think maybe you even get a little bit more. So I would look at those small two-stroke dirt bikes, uh, something like that. Even the Yamaha, like the TW200, the one with the wide tires. 
you know, that's a good option in a lot of locations. That's a, a workhorse that's been proven. If you are more of a, an experienced motorcycler and have been around uh, and riding them, you know, you know what to get. You're probably going to want to get something maybe a little bit bigger, maybe an XR650L, you know, maybe even you want to get a, in, I don't know if you want to get into KTMs. I'd probably stay away from race-ready bikes. I would get things that have long service intervals that are run off of carburetors, that are simple to work on, air-cooled if possible. Just eliminate all of the failure points as possible. And the bikes that really come to mind, like the two bikes that I would look at, if I was going to kind of new or smaller, maybe a smaller person, I would look at the the CRF, is it, I don't remember, or is it XR, whatever. It's the little Honda four-stroke, go on their site, the 250L, with, you'll see it's got the mirrors on it, street legal, or the 300, or if you want something a little bit bigger, you could step up and get into an XR650L. Just If you're looking on the used market, I would encourage you, do not buy anything that doesn't have an electric start. If you're a new rider, that, that is really... Yes, it can be done, but it's a huge help to have an electric start. So if I could buy one, it would be that 300, that Honda 300 for just general terms, that CRFL, the, two, the 300. That's what I would look at. Get what you can afford. There's a lot of good bikes. Just buy probably Japanese. Japanese with electric start. We have a super chat or member message from Mr. Nick Chase. Welcome, Nick. Good to have you here. Nick's been with us for a couple months now. Nick just turned 21 Easter Sunday and acquired his very own 19X. Congratulations. The best personal defensive sidearm presently, in my opinion. I will not go overseas for the government that locks us in our homes and maligns us. Amen to that. Yeah, amen to that. And and that's, we're not alone. We're not about, we're not going to go out in the streets and, and, tear stuff up. That's not what we do, but we will protect our own. And we, I think most of us, if we haven't already, have dr dr drawn a line in the sand uh, that we know that we've decided that we've resolved uh, will not be crossed. And I would encourage you to do that. Think long and hard. We've been making concessions. We've been giving up freedoms our whole lives. It's coming to a point now where we don't have very much to give back. They're about to make all semi-automatic uh, firearms in my state illegal any day now. It's done. It's over. I have a friend that works at a gun store that will not have a job anymore. The gun store will be shut down. The only thing you'll be able to buy would be like revolvers. This is statewide. This is happening, beloved. And yet we're still, we, you know, we still think that everything's going to go back to normal. So there are lines in the sand. They have passed this legislation in my state. You know, how Proho is going to act, he's going to have to act accordingly. You know, what, what's too far? What are you willing to forgive? What are you willing to, to, to give away? Are you willing to, uh, when they come and knock on your door, uh, just to hand them over? Or is that a line that you've drawn? Where does your local law enforcement stand with that? You know, and we will see, I've been, I realized some time ago that law enforcement was the greatest enemy to freedom in this country. And why? Because without law enforcement, without law enforcement, these politicians that, that are, these tyrannical politicians that are making policy and stealing away our freedoms, that is their muscle. 
Without them, they can do nothing. It's with them, it's they will be the ones that will take away your rights and throw you in a cage and shoot you and kill you at the behest, and many of them will do it gleefully, at the behest of their, their bosses, their superiors, just following orders. So it's time, beloved, it's time to stop looking at law enforcement as your savior. They're not your savior. The Supreme Court ruled recently that they have zero obligation to protect you, none whatsoever. If they see you bleeding out in the street and they have a tourniquet on their plate carrier, they have no obligation to use that. And if they didn't and you bled out in the street, they would be covered under their, they would be protected. I know you were raised with law enforcement as your friend, and of course, people will say not all, but I, I see, I, it, it's all bad. It's all bad because I would be willing to bet that almost all of those officers know that there's bad guys and bad women on the force, and yet they stand by and they support it, and they still take the paycheck. So they're complicit in it. That's the way I look at it. If it weren't for law enforcement, and get this, get this through your brain right here, Without the law enforcement to come and tyrannize you and to swat you and, and, to, and to send tactical teams to drag you out of your house, to drag you out of your car, to enforce the will of the state, they have no teeth, no power whatsoever. They are the ones that will be, they are the boot that will crush you, that will crush your children and that will drag you out of your home and throw you in a cage. They're the ones. Who else? So be leery of them. Never trust a cop. Never talk to a cop. Do not have them over to your house. Avoid them. They are not your friends. They are soon to reveal themselves. When they start goose-stepping and they start... When they start fulfilling the will of these tyrants, you will see. It's better for you to know now. We have a super chat from Claymore777, another super chat. Thank you for your generosity, Claymore. I sure appreciate that. Can you tell us about your history? Are you independently wealthy? Just curious. No, no. I, when we moved into our homestead, uh, we had nothing. Um, we, we built all this up. Um, nope. Mrs. W had a good job when we first got married 20 years ago, uh, but she quit to become a stay-at-home, so we lost that income, so I've been the sole provider for our family um, ever since. So, no, we just, uh, we just do our deal here. We have enough. I'll say that. Enough. Thank you, Claymore. We have a super chat from Case Cormick, or Chase Cormick. Chase has been with us for a couple months. Chase writes, what do you think about Proho asking for prayer and maybe middlemen or mods making a list uh, for you that at the end of the stream we end in prayer? I'm, I'm not a let me think about that. I, I hear what you're saying. We used to do that on the early the, the, the Bible studies back on Justin TV. And, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I, I, I would be having a list that was shared amongst uh, the middlemen, shared amongst the, uh, the big fizz group and our private chat groups. Um, I would say absolutely 100%. Um, if someone wanted to kind of keep track of that, that we could share amongst, um, to do it publicly at the end, I don't know. It's not because I'm ashamed of anything. I just, I don't know that it's beneficial. I, 
I've always felt that prayer should be done earnestly and in private. And, and how, sincere, how, how sincere really is a public prayer? I mean, I've participated in them. I always, felt, I always felt kind of, I don't know, I never liked it. I never felt comfortable doing it. I never could concentrate, and I felt like I was just going through the motions. And I don't, I don't want to do that. So I would not be opposed to maintaining a list of, of proho that's in need or having difficulty or has a special request. But I think it should be kept maybe on the chat uh, with the members. So I'll think about that. But um, and I'll also be interested to hear from you guys on that, what you think. But that's kind of my initial response, my initial feeling on that. Don't forget, tomorrow, our day of fasting starts tomorrow. Tomorrow at sunset, those are participating, sunrise, those are participating. When you wake up tomorrow, I'm doing 24 hours. You do what you can do. If you're not physically able, skip a meal, do whatever. Just do the best you can do. Many guys are going to be doing 24 hours. We're going to do this four times every Wednesday for the next month. And, you know, it seems to me, I've been thinking a lot about this. What is it that we're, usually when you, how, when you, for me anyway, it's been our, my tradition is when I've had a particular need or something I was really struggling with or depression or fear about finances, trouble with relationships with families, trouble having patience with my kids. When you realize there was something that you really needed help with, a, a vice or a struggle that you've, you've just not been able to get rid of, that there's a special blessing that can come from, from a man that humbles himself um, in fasting before his God. What you do is you wake up and, and you'll put some oil, olive oil is preference, a little olive oil on your head. Do this privately. You know, maybe tell your family members what you're doing, but you don't need to make a big show about it. And then just go about your day. Uh, drink water. Drink lots of water. Eat a lot of high-protein food. Have a nice big dinner tonight. And then go into it. Whether you just skip one meal or you do 12 hours or you do the 24 with the rest of us, um, just on your mind, we should have a common request for our Father, a common request. And I think for us, you know, what I'm thinking the most appropriate thing is right now, the request would be is uh, we need wisdom to make good decisions right now. We need wisdom as, as um, fathers and husbands to make sure that we're, we're leading our home, that we are... Um, we have uh, leading by good example, that we're not uh, perpetrating fear on our family or negativeness, that we are large and in charge um, and we'll, we're ready to handle anything that happens. We'll cooperate, we'll, we'll cooperate with our Father to do what needs to be done. And just really praying for peace in these turbulent times, clarity of mind, and also the third thing would be to to really to open up the scriptures to us, to give us a supernatural understanding of what we're reading and to help us to, to be able to make good decisions um, early, uh, whether it be with our finances or if we should move or do a different job, whatever. There's a lot of uncertainty right now that keeps, keeps a lot of us on, on edge. And we need not be on edge. We need to be resolved, flexible, but at peace, knowing that God is in charge and we're doing the best we can with what we have. We have a super chat from Silas Belcher. He's been with us for two months. Thank you, Silas. Silas writes, Proho, here we go. Rate my Proho. Proho, 27 years. 
married, self-employed, two points for that, becoming handy, that's a point, fantastic family unit, two points, two four-wheel drive vehicles, two, definitely two points for that too, food, water prep, pew-pews, generator, trad wife, infant daughter, just bought a home starting out. That's very good. That is, I'm thinking that that's going to score very, very highly. Silas, rate, if I were to rate Silas's Proho, 27, oh goodness, he's 27 years old. How's that make you feel, gentlemen? Silas is 27, married, self-employed, becoming handy, fantastic. Becoming handy, 0.5 ding for that, or maybe a 0.5 gain for that. Man, that looks pretty good to me. Four-wheel drivers, food preps, water preps, generator, trad wife. In, uh, I'm going to give that a 9.5. 9.5, the highest rating so far to Silas Belcher for that. And when he gets his skills up, then he'll get the, the 10. Shout out to you, Silas. Man, killing it. And at 27, goodness, I was wasting time at 27. I was wasting time at 30. I didn't have any generator or food preps. Shout out to you, Silas Mann. Good for you. I'm very proud of you. Well done. Well done. And a Tradcon. Amazing. 9.5. Member message. Member for three months. I don't have a name. Hi, Cody. We do understand the reasoning behind it, but we sure do miss the lightning, lighting of the lantern. Any ideas for a replacement? I, I, I'm sorry about the lantern. I think the Dr. Prepper told me that the reason why I was not feeling very good was I was poisoning myself with the, the exhaust I was breathing off that lantern for three hours a day. I did put up the neon sign there, but it's not as good, is it? I don't know, my brother. I don't have a, I don't have an alternative. Maybe we could bring the lantern back. Uh, maybe if it's over there hanging on Granddad's elk antler, it wouldn't be so bad as having it right here underneath me. I'll try. I'll tell you what. We'll, I'll think about that. See if we can bring the lantern back tomorrow and We'll try it over there. Maybe that's the solution. Thank you, brother. We have a member message from Joe Lisku. Shout out to you and welcome, Joel. Joel writes, Joel's been a member with us for a month. Let's not forget that. He writes, hi, Cody. My girlfriend of four years got pregnant and does not want to keep it and wants to break up. We're both 25 and living separately. Any advice? Oh, brother, I'm sorry about that. I'm not piling on I'm not piling on Joe here, but this gentleman is why we never break the three rules. We do not cohabitate with women. We do not date single mothers, and we do not date anyone over 35. If you're a younger man, for these very reasons. Now that's that's. I mean, I don't want to jump on here and be Captain Hindsight. There's nothing more insufferable than that. Well, maybe the ham radio guy. The ham radio guy and Captain Hindsight are the worst, and the arborist guy are worse, and East Coast guy are the worst among civilization. But yeah, well, there's you know that's the problem. There's nothing you can do, to be honest with you, and that's the problem that I was talking about yesterday. We live. You, as a white man, are being are 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 one of the most discriminated against classes in this country. I mean, if you were to ask. 
you know, 100 guys that knew what was going on, they would say, of course, yeah, they're at every disadvantage. You, you don't get affirmative action. You get reviled for your, you know, we know. We don't need to get into it. We know this. And when it comes to the court system, you have no rights whatsoever. And this points out the fact of the disparity that I spoke of yesterday. It cannot stand. We cannot support a court system, a government that favors one side over the other. And this is what we have. The woman, if she desires right now, she can go and have Joe's child murdered, sanctioned by the state, and the state will pay for it. No consequences whatsoever. He cannot do that. If she wanted to keep it and he were to say the same thing, no, I don't want it. I want to terminate this. He, no way. If he were to try to terminate it, he would be thrown in jail for life, if not worse. Do you see the problem? The court system is set up to benefit the females. And who enforces it? The cops. All they've got to do is make a phone call. He beat me. You're done. He molested my daughter. You're done. He raped me. You're done. The, the blue pill simps in blue will run up and gleefully come and drag you out of your house and kill you and throw you in a cage on just the accusation of a, of a spurned woman or an angry woman. Do you understand how dangerous these women are? Do you understand how dangerous it is getting involved with these women that, are, that could do something like this? They have a whole army at their disposal. All you have to do is call with a cell phone and they'll come and get you. You don't have those rights. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. There's nothing you can do. If she wants to break up and she doesn't want to have it, she can go and have the termination. There's not a thing you can do about it. Nothing. That's the problem. I, mean, I, I don't have any advice to give you. Unless I'm missing something. We're both 25 and living separately. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I, in the past, the boomers would tell you, well, you need to go reconcile and, and you, need to, um, you need to do everything in your power to get her to marry you and, and, and to make an honest woman of her and all of that chivalrous BS that we were all raised with. It all is lies. Because the, tr the truth of the matter is, how could you possibly want to continue a relationship with a woman that is willing to abort her own child? I would say, if you could stomach that, if you could take that woman into your bosom and, and make her your wife, then I don't know that I could be your friend. If you're so callous that you can't see that. You know, I'm sorry for what happened. It's a bummer. It's a terrible deal. But you don't have any leg to stand on. You don't have any rights. There's, not, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can tell you. She will do what she will do. The court will support her. The cops will support her. The government will support her. You have no say. You're, you're strictly, but if she keeps it, then you'll be on the hook to pay for it and her alimony most likely and to keep her. Even if she remarries, this is the kicker. This is great. In a lot of places, even if she remarries, you'll still have to pay for those kids. <laughs> Do you see why we don't, you see why men are not getting married anymore? Do you see why you don't date, live with women? You do not cohabitate. You do not date or have anything to do with, with single mothers, and you do not involve yourself with anyone over 35. That's it. 
You just, those are the rules, those are the hard and fast lines you don't break. And poor Joe is suffering the consequences right here. Goodness. I'm sorry, brother. That sucks. We have a super chat from Great Lakes Man. Good to see you back, Mr. Great Lakes Man. Great Lakes has been with us for two months now. He's curious why you chose a 4X ACOG on your new 16 over the variable 1 to 6 or 1 to 8. I wanted the lower 1 by 3X option, so I bought a Trigicon because LPVOs suck. LPVOs suck. It was, the, it was the trend. It was a big trend for a while until finally, just recently, a few guys finally stood up and said, you know what? These are not actually that good. They're incredibly expensive. They're, in, they're heavy and they're complicated. And when you're trying to shoot with the 1X, it's not very good. You're looking through a really small tube that has some, it's not as clear. It's nowhere near as clear as an ACOG or an aim point. There's just, there's just, they're just not as good. I mean, it sounds nice uh, to have something that's super versatile and you can do multiple things with it. I've shot with them. I wouldn't have it. I, I don't want it. And a lot of guys are falling away from that. If you truly want that capability, we have, the, the Warband and I have talked about this in great detail, this very subject, over and over and over again. And I can tell you, as a re result of the last conversation, the consensus that we came to on this exact topic. Now, this, we're talking about, we're not talking about like six gun or three gun. We're talking about a go-to-war type of carbine. That the optic choices, if you need to have that variable, there really only is one, and that's the Elkan Spectre. The Elkan Spectre is the only one, that's the only variable that I would trust and put on there. You've got a true one to four, one to six, but you've got a military grade, super, super skookum, super tough optic with the best glass in the business. That, or an ACOG, uh, some, some of the most beautiful glass you'll ever look through. When you look through an ACOG, a Forex ACOG, it is it, almost like having a superpower. It's just shocking how beautiful and clear that glass is. Um, and then if you, you need to have, a, you know, the, the 4X ACOG is not good for CQ, CQB. Is it close quarters or whatever? CQB, CQC. Um, and you want to have a, a, an offset, like an offset or a piggybacked RMR or red dot, something like that. Or you're just going to go with just a regular red dot, um, aim point, hollow sun. I, I've not heard good things about hollow sun. I have, I have, a, I, I, I don't own any hollow sun. I would, I would personally only get an aim point or an EOTech or a Elkan Spectre. Those would be the three. Yeah. Keep it simple. But no, I don't like LP. I don't like those LPVOs. They're, they're, um, I think that whole thing is over. It's done. It was a flash in the pan. Guys got them, realized the complexity, the, how heavy they are, how terrible they are at 1x, and they're just, they're not, they're not it. They're not it. Not in my opinion. We have a super chat from the Sterling Power Project, welcome, who writes, Hey guys, I don't know the answer, but start to think about small physical assets, copper, salt, flour, etc., that have good trade value in case we move to a digital Fed coin. It's not in case the digital Fed coin, the Fed now, that that is that looks like it's happening. That's happening, and it'll be convenience things at first. They all, they typically always will start with travel. You know the limitations will be a travel. Then it'll be restaurants, 
and then it'll be the grocery store, and then it'll be everything. And then we'll have those of us who are willing to take the mark, and those of us who are not willing to take the mark. Now, prophecy tells us, the good book tells us something that's very interesting that we need to wake up and pay attention to, that in the final days, God's remnant, God's people, Christian soldiers, us, Proho here, uh, will get to a point where we will not be able to buy or sell or participate in commerce uh, at the end days, that that will be taken away from us, unless we are willing to what? To accept the mark. What is the mark? The mark of the beast. It's all That's been argued. Everyone has a different opinion on it, what it is, who it is, what's it going to be. Uh, but it has something to, de- to do with buying and selling. So either you opt in to the monetization system that allows you or gives you access uh, to, that's how they're going to control you, or you, you opt out. And that's, what, that's where Proho is going to fall. So, yeah, I, to give it any thought, it's hard to give thought to this. It's unprecedented. You know, what's going to be of value? Everyone says, well, gold, silver, th- that sort of thing. Yeah, may- maybe. That's always had value. But if you're hungry, it doesn't help you. Um, and it's a difficult thing to, to try to barter with. You know, it, it's just, I don't, I don't know. Uh, would it be a good idea to have some? Yes, we're investing in some. But I, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that. Um, the things that, that we learned from the Kosovo, uh, there was a city in Kosovo, we've talked about this before, that was surrounded. And there was a guy that spent a year in there, and he's, he's got a YouTube video talking about that experience. And what would he do differently if he had to go through that? If he had to go, he, he was living in a spot that was completely surrounded by a foreign enemy, nothing coming in, nothing going out. And it, basically the, bla- the black markets came up, and people tried to make the way, get what they needed the best they could. And what was really valuable were things, were, were food, ammunition, lighters. Uh, tools, you know, things to fix things, uh, battery chargers, generators, that sort of thing, flashlights, batteries, real practical radios, that sort of thing was really, really valuable. So diversify, diversify. You know, if you have 10 grand in gold and silver and you don't have a rifle, well, that's not very good diversification, right? You, You need to have all, everything in place. So yeah, barter, bartering skills too. Do you have an excavator? Do you have, you know, I got a thousand, over a thousand gallons of diesel. Um, you know, was that, will that run forever? No, but it's, it's something I could barter with. Can you run people's furnaces on that? Yeah, it could be, you know, there, there, so having options and that sort of thing is important. But yeah, the, the Sterling Power Project is right. Th- what he's saying, think about it. Copper, salt, flour, etc. Uh, then he goes on to say that have good trade value in case we move to a digital Fed coin. Yeah. How about salt? Do you know that Roman soldiers used to be paid in salt? Salt was exceedingly valuable. That's the term you've heard. The man's not worth his salt. Where did that come from? Well, the, the man was not worth his wages. He didn't pull his weight. He wasn't worth the salt that he was paid with. That was a, a force that was income. Salt is very important when you don't have refrigeration. The only reason why Europeans were able to come and cross the oceans back in the day was having access to salt so that they could preserve food. They, they were limited. Their ability to travel outside of their own shores and country was limited by how long they could preserve food. This was before can, the canned food process and dehydration and all that. So if you were going to dis, try to discover, you know, down in like Cook's old stomping grounds where you have down by the equator where it's really hot and food 
putrefies and very quickly and you can't keep anything, that's a real obstacle, a real problem. And if you didn't have salt, you, you know, if you don't have refrigeration, you can't preserve food even if you did have it. That side of beef you bought sitting in your refrigerator, how long is that going to last in there when it's unplugged or the power's not there? Are you going to be able to eat it or smoke it or dry it or cure it? Do you know how to do that? You know, so that, what he's talking about is, is that sort of thing. I know it's overwhelming, the amount of things that need to be done, but they don't need to be done. Trust God. You might be coming in this late. You know, beg forgiveness for not waking up and hearing the message and responding to the call earlier, but do what you can and focus on those things that you need. What do you need? You need water, shelter, and food. Focus on those. Get that sorted out. What do you need? How, how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to feed your family? Start with that. And, and in three months, three months is the goal. That's, that's where you start, not the goal. The, start, the goal is a year for each member of the family. A year would give you a, a year of breathing room to get things going, get some food in the ground. And don't think you're going to go hunt either. That, that's not going to happen. That's what will happen for some of us who live in an area where we open up into the national forest where the resources are tremendous. But those few little deer that you have, um, you know, do you think you're the only one that has that plan? Do you think you're the only one with granddad's hunting rifle with a 10x scope on it? You better believe the competition will be fierce out there. How about fishing? Have you been fishing and ran across um, competition for a fishing hole in the past? Have you done that? I have. I've seen guys fight over it. I've seen guys throw lead sinkers at each other. I've seen guys on the bank put four ounce, five ounce weights on and, and cast them and try to break the, the shrouds on outboard motors. I've seen all of that. Very competitive, very fierce, and very territorial. How much more so with a hungry family at home? If these men are this aggressive and territorial for sport fishing, what would they do if it was for existence? So that is not a plan, beloved. If you can make it happen, that's a, an extra cherry on top, but that's not a plan. That's a fool's plan. We have a super chat from Miss Jennifer M. Thank you and welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. I hope you don't uh, take offense for as hard as we go on some of these 304s around here, but I think if you are here and you're Proho, you realize that your sisters have lost, well, are off the mark. I'm not saying that men are without their faults as well. That is certainly true. We're all here to blame, but, but, but feminism is a big, big problem. Big problem. We have a super chat from Evan Dixon, Radio Made Easy. I'm hoping that Evan's not a ham radio guy. If he is, I hope you're a good one. Evan writes that he was freed from his full-time job last week. Well, that's fresh. And now on the faith adventure of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, there's not, there's no better motivator in life uh, than wondering where your next meal is going to come from. Fear is an excellent motivator. So you are motivated, properly motivated. You know, when Cortez discovered the new world, he burnt his ships. Have you heard the story about how Cortez burnt his ships? Why did he burn his ships? Well, when they came to the new land and discovered it, and the ships were sitting in the harbor, those men, his crew, that he wanted to make a go of it, to build a colony and get started, he knew that their hearts would never really be in it when things became difficult, if they could look over their shoulder and see their escape plan. Those ships, 
they would always know in the back of their mind, well, you know, if things get too bad here, if it gets too hot in the summertime, if food starts to become a problem, if uh, dealing with the natives becomes a problem, you know what, worst case scenario, the ejection, we'll hit the ejection chute and we'll jump in those ships and we'll go back home. Well, he burnt the ships. He burnt the ships. Can you imagine? I, I, I'll bet he was a little nervous the next day. Can you imagine how frustrated and angry those men must have been that, the, that this man, their captain, had stranded them here? But he was very wise because he knew that now these men are properly motivated. Now they have no other option but to win. So sometimes you need to burn your ship. And Evan got his ship burnt. He's on the, the faithful adventure of entrepreneurship. Yeah, best thing that ever happened to you. You and your mutual friend, uh, Jason Barr, have been an inspiration. Please keep my family of five in your prayers. Yeah. You have nothing to worry about, Evan. I implore you, if you haven't already, partner with your creator. Partner with your father on this. It very well may be that he has initiated series of events for you to be here, part of this show, for you uh, to, 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 get, to do something different to get out of your rut um, and the, just I like the attitude that I'm hearing uh, just the positiveness you know of course you're not cocksure about it how can you be this is a frightful it's a terrifying thing it's the it's difficult to do in the best scenario when you plan for it and you leave a job willingly but to be have the rug pulled out from out from under you and be scrambling for it uh, can bring anxiety for sure but just be prayerful pray with your wife Pray with your children, pray over your children, and just ask for guidance that you make the best decisions. And it wouldn't surprise me if you'd be, you're going to be in a better position in a year from now. But um, don't take any chances, man. You need every advantage you can get. And why not have the creator of all things on your side? Shout out to Evan. Goodness. It's exciting. Look at it that way. We have a super chat from Doug Barnett. And he's been with us for two months. Doug writes, I just wanted to say I appreciate all of your information. There are not many who are willing to speak the truth in public. Thank you. Yeah, for as long as we can. <laughs> I might be out digging ditches pretty soon. if they, uh, It's getting a little spicy around here, and that's um, not always very welcomed on some of these platforms. But whether I should listen to God or man, judgest thou thee. We have a super chat from, um, oh, thank you, Doug. Appreciate that. We have a super chat from Mr. Mike Wagner. Rate my, he wants me to rate his Proho. I have dual alternators. Now, that's just not fair. You're putting me in a bad spot here. Because that you know that's going to give you a high rating. Just having dual alternators is a plus five. Right there, on top of what you already have. So without knowing any more... If you only had dual alternators and no firearms, no water filtration, and no shelter, you would still come in at a five. Shout out to Mike and his dual alternators. <laughs> I also have dual alternators, in case you didn't know. Thank you, brother. And we have a super chat from Zachary C., <laughs> who's been with us for two months. Do you believe in a pre- or post-tribulation rapture? Uh, definitely not pre. You know, the thing is, we, we, need, we probably need to get into this. This, has been one of, this is one of the most commonly misunderstood 
topics in Christendom, and I blame the heretical book series, the Left Behind series. There's many of you who have read these books, and there are many thousands, if not millions of good-intentioned Christians that have bought into that story, and somehow just in their lack of spending time in the 66, they've kind of formed an amalgamation of a little bit of left behind and a little bit of maybe something they learned at Sunday school and put together this idea that there's going to be a pre-rapture, that we're going to be whisked away um, and we won't have to endure the hardships of um, the second coming. Uh, I just don't see that as scriptural. Yeah, you know, just this is a topic we could go, we could have an entire long, we could have a month-long Bible study on this where I could go through the scriptures and, and make the points for this. But you know, just one to stick with you is that we're told there's some specific things that are going to happen when Christ returns. And there's going to be some things that, that take place. And it says that when he comes, that every eye will see him. Everyone, meaning everyone will see him. There, there's not going to be anyone. That means everyone here. As lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be an incredible event. And those, that are, those of us that, are, that remain, that are saved, that are in the protection under the blood of Christ, that are still alive in that day, and the ones that have been buried in the sea and in the earth, it says, we will all be caught up together and we will meet him in the air. First, those that have been buried, those that have been lost their lives at sea, those that are in the ground, they will come up first and we will join them. So the resurrection takes place right there. You know, amongst, there's, there's many, many different things that we can go into. And also of the old prophets, when they talk about King David, you know, King David tells us that when you die, you know nothing, that your, your days are over. You, you're never involved with anything that ever takes place again under the sun. Once you die, you rest. You're in a stasis of waiting. Your fate is determined according to your works and according to whether or not you accepted or how you responded to the, the, the commandments of God that were put upon your heart. God tells us, I wrote my law upon their heart. Well, that's important to know because the question always comes up, well, how can you say that the only way to, to, to be saved is through God, uh, through, through Jesus Christ, that he's the one and only, and all of the rest of these are, are false prophets, false idols? What about the devout American Indian? What about the devout Buddhist monk who, who did, spent his whole life, he never knew about the gospel. He never knew about Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He didn't know about Jehovah. You know, he was born in a different environment of Eastern philosophy. Is he, are you going to tell me that this devout man who, who devoted his life to study in of the monastery, that he, that he is not enough, that he can't make it just because a missionary never made it there, or he lived in a remote location where he never had the opportunity to hear it? Of course not. That wouldn't make sense. If God was that arbitrary, I would, I would turn my back on him now. That doesn't even make any sense. The Bible tells us, I wrote my law upon your heart. So for situations like that, of men and women who never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, we have something instinctively. We know the difference between right or wrong. Right or wrong. Now, it varies somewhat among cultures and among people, but it doesn't vary broadly, apart from a few outliers. But for the most part, all civilizations and cultures realize it would be wrong to murder your best friend. 
you can't just go and take any woman you want. Now, differences, some cultures practice polygamy, but I know of very few cultures that, that, that amongst themselves that believe, well, I can just take anything I want from my neighbors. There, there's a code of ethics, and that is called the conscious, or lack of a better word, the conscious, or the law, the commandments that God has written upon people's heart. They know instinctively, unless they're a damaged brain or a sociopath, but most people know instinctively the right, the difference between right or wrong and always have. You know, even if the, the law is telling you that you're justified in doing something, you know instinctively when you're wronging someone. You know when you're taking advantage of a situation, even if it's legal. You just press that down, but you know, and all people know. So those folks that never had the opportunity to see or hear the gospel will be judged according to how they responded to the law that was written upon their heart. Now with little given, little is expected, but with much given, much is expected. Do you think God requires the same of a, of a boy born of severe Down syndrome as he does from a Joel Olstein? is the same required. One boy is handicapped. He can only do so much. But still, there will be something required of him, but it won't be that great. You take a man like Joel Olstein with the mandate that he has, with, the, with the, the reach that he has, with the number of people that follow him and listen to him, how much is expected from that man? You know, more. Are, is the reward the same? The reward is the same, but, but that's it. So I think when we look at that, we try to tackle that difficult situation about the Tibetan monk or the American Indian. He will be judged, it seems to me, according to how he responded to the law of God that was written upon his heart. Did he do the right thing amongst his friends and, and tribe? Was he um, an honorable person? Did he murder? Did he rape? Was he unusually cruel to animals? There's a lot that goes into it. Fortunately, we don't judge. God will judge. But there's going to be a lot of surprises in the kingdom. There's going to be a lot of folks, men and women and children, that wake up in the kingdom that never heard of Jesus Christ, never heard of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, didn't know about the 66 books, didn't know about the patriarchs, didn't know about the prophecies, and yet they wake up there because they responded honorably to the law that, that they knew to be right. And people make the decision both ways. So there'll be a lot of surprises. I heard an old pastor say, the biggest su surprise in the kingdom will be the fact when you wake up that you were there. <laughs> so uh, regard, getting back to the post pre-trib, um, I don't believe it. No, I don't believe it. I, I think e even it goes on to say, God says it, it's going to get so bad in the final days that if, if, I got, I'm speaking for God. He says, if I didn't intervene, if I didn't end it early, it would be so, there'd be so much lying and so much deceit and so much confusion in the world and evilness that even my elect, even the ones, the remnant that have been remained faithful to me, proho, here, remain faithful to me, even they would, would have been deceived and turned from me and followed a false prophet. That's how convincing it's going to be. And he says, if I didn't cut it short, even they would be lost. So we have, they, even they are right down to the very end, the, the remnant. So this notion of, 
the Left Behind series and, and the, and the pre-trib and, and all of that, I, I don't subscribe to it. I don't think it's biblical. I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture. I think, by and large, uh, it comes from most people who haven't thought about it that much, and it comes from that, that Left Behind series, if I were to, if I were to guess. Goodness, I think, are we wrapping up here? 2.30? I think that's it, gentlemen. I think that's it. What day is today? Tuesday? Wednesday? Goodness, I don't know. All I know is there's a live stream Wednesday, tomorrow. There's a live stream tomorrow, and tomorrow will be the fast. So we'll be here tomorrow at 12.30. I will uh, have missed my breakfast. Uh, hopefully I won't be too hangry, and we will, uh, we'll do this together. So, so those, those of you who are not in a position to do this, um, we ask for your prayers for those members that, um, that are participating in this. We're doing this corporately, and we're praying for each other as a group especially us men. This is a man's channel, and, and we're, we're, I'm here to support you guys and, and support one another. And what we need right now is we need, we need to be very wise. God told us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it truly starts. When you can finally realize that you don't know everything and that there may be some wisdom to be found in the good book, that when you finally humble yourself, to look at it not as what you think it is, but look at it from spiritual eyes, partnering with God for the first time with a humble spirit. Get down on your knees, confess your sins, confess the things that you've done that you're ashamed of. You know what they are. Ask for help. Show me, are you real? Is this true? Help me to understand. I've read this a hundred times. It doesn't make any sense to me. Show me, can you show me this? I, you said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Does that mean that you should be scared stiff of God? No, of course not. Fear of the Lord, the fear is a, is a reverence, a point where you can get out of your own self-importance and sit down quietly and look around you at, at the incredible creation that God has wrought and humble yourself and you realize, I am quite small in comparison to this great controversy that's going on right now. Maybe if I were to humble myself, and get on my knees and, and, and submit myself to God that he would show me and, and help me in these scary times. Do you th we can't do it alone, beloved. We can't do it alone. We need the help of the Creator. We're told that it's so dangerous in the end times that even the very elect would be deceived by the deceiver, by the antichrist, by the adversary. And those are the ones that were sealed by God, safe, secure, guaranteed. You know, the devout. Are they more devout than, than us? Probably. We don't even know who they are, right? So we need help. We can't, we can't just have a, a blasé-faire, casual relationship like we've always had and think that that's going to account for anything. It's not. We need to, um, this, this month of fasting, is, I think, needs to be kind of focused on that. We need, we need, we are the commanders of this movement. We are commanders in the army of God, early adopters. We are, we are the sheep that belong to the good shepherd. He says, my sheep know me, they know my voice, and they respond. Christ is making the call right now. Who is listening? Do you hear him? If you hear him, if there's something tickling your ear, something that just seems different to you, you're hearing the call of your God, of your creator. He's calling you to his own. He's calling you into the flock. You can respond or not respond. He says, my, my flock know my voice. My sheep know my voice because I'm the good shepherd. And they come to me and I protect them. I look after them. 
I will not let anyone harm them. Others they do, that are not of my own, that have not been sealed by me, they, they can't even hear my voice. They won't respond to it. It means nothing to them. It's foolishness to them. So we are here, a small group of early adopters of this. God is calling us out of the world to do great work. It could be the man that came in that lost his job and is now on the adventure of entrepreneurism. You know, who knows? God works in mysterious ways through lots of avenues and people you would least expect. Perfect example, right? So this is important. So as we go into this, take it seriously. And I'll be doing the same thing. We'll get down on our knees tomorrow. Confess. Ask God to bring anything into your heart that is unconfessed. Take care of that first thing. Go into your closet. Anoint your head with oil. Wipe it off. You don't need to make a spectacle of yourself. Drink water. Stay hydrated. Electrolytes, that sort of thing. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Drop an electrolyte into a, into a glass of water. If you, you know, take care of yourself. If you, don't, if you can't do this physically, there's no requirement. And those who are not able to do it, or just can't do it for whatever reason, be sure and be praying for those of us who are, that we can get through the day with least amount of disruption. And um, we'll do this for four weeks. So it starts tomorrow, sunset to sunset. 24 hours is the goal, but you do what you can. We have a final super chat from Mr. Overton Windex. Welcome, Overton. Shout out to Brandon for the extra help behind the scenes today. Absolutely. Shout out. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon jumped in and helped on my end to funnel all the super chats over to me and makes everything run seamlessly. If I had to try to read and scroll the chat, um, this wouldn't be possible. And those dudes back there, Overton is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Brandon stepped in to help Overton out today as well. And uh, we sure do appreciate that. Goodness. Good to hear from you, Mr. Overton. All right. That is it. Goodness. I don't know what else to say. It's enough talking. Keep us in your prayers. May God bless you and your families. Don't lose hope, beloved. Remember that God is calling you here for a reason. And uh, just listen, listen. Try to, track, try to keep the noise out of your life and um, get ready for a very wild and exciting ride. And remember, beloved, remember this, that we are on the winning side, that we are created in the very image of God. We are his sons and daughters. We are particularly, he is particularly fond of us. So important are we as individuals to him that the good book tells us in the final book of Revelation that when all the dust settles and evil and the adversary has finally been put down and the false prophet and all of those that were rebels to God and we start the healing process of God's people reunited, connected, no longer bound by time and space, but be able to speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh, praise God. It is the good news, beloved. Praise God for that. That um, so important are we in this terra firma that we live on here, whatever it is, round, flat, who knows that he sets up his kingdom. The new Jerusalem comes down and is set up right here, right here on this, on this, in this place. The center of power, God's government of the entire universe set up right here. That should give you a little inkling to the significance of you, how, you, how important you are to him. You've been taught that you are a product of primordial ooze or the lies of evolution. 
God has a great work for you. You're much more important. There's no one like you. You are a unique individual, special, created in the very image of God. Although separated by sin, separated by our own lusts and desires, we separated by all sorts of circumstances, maybe bad parents, maybe no one that led us to God, maybe we're coming in late, it doesn't make any difference. He's here now and you're here right now and you're called out. You can be called out at 80. You can be called to the work at, at, at 10. You know, God doesn't discriminate. It's who will stand in the gap? Will you stand shoulder to shoulder with me and man the line? Will you stand there and fight with me? Are you done making concessions? Are you done compromising? Will you stand strong for the gospel, for the word of God? You know, that's where we're at. And... Uh, Narrow be the way and few be that find it. But here we are. Here we are, 600 of us. May God bless you, beloved. beloved. Please keep us in your prayers. We'll see you in tomorrow's stream.